Welcome to the QAV podcast. If you're brand new, I just want to introduce the podcast a little bit so you know what you're getting yourself into. If you've listened to the show before, feel free to just fast forward a minute or two. If you're brand new, here's the deal. Uh, my name's Cameron Riley. Tony Kynaston is an old friend of mine. He's a very successful share market investor. I'm talking very, very, very successful. He's been doing it 30 years. He's one of the best in the country in terms of a private investor. Very good uh, track record over 30 years. And what this podcast is about is Tony basically teaches me everything that he knows about investing in the stock market. And you get to listen. But if you're coming into this for the first time, you'll find that this episode, the current episodes, assume a certain level of prior knowledge. We assume that you know what we're talking about, his system, his methodology, which we explain in earlier episodes. So feel free to listen if you want to get the vibe for what's going on, but some of it's not going to make much sense unless you understand what the checklist is, etc. I recommend if you're brand new, you go back and listen to uh, Season 3, Episode 1, Episode 3 and Episode 5, where we go into Tony's background and his system and his methodology in a lot more detail. And then feel free to listen to the contemporary episodes, the current episodes. You'll understand more of the context of what we're talking about. With that, let's get into today's show. Cookie Boy, what's... (laughs) What's Cookie Boy? You know, from the Benny Hill Show. No. No, that was his Chinese impersonation. (laughs) Cookie Boy. Hello, you are Cookie Boy. You're Brory Iriot. Oh, wow. Dude, I haven't seen Benny Hill since 1978 or something. I don't know. Uh, I love Benny Hill. Yeah, you would. (laughs) Oh, why is that? (laughs) I don't know. Why is that, Cookie Boy? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> how are you You're yeah good? good really good that's good tell me about your weekend uh father's day was yesterday which was nice hmm. how was your father's day oh it was lovely yeah what, what about yours yeah good yep uh alex had some assignments due yesterday so i saw for about 10 minutes in the morning and then uh went out for brunch with jenny and Played golf in the afternoon and then had dinner with Alex and Jenny in the evening. So all good. Nice. Yeah. And uh, what about your horses over the weekend? Did they have a run? Uh, no, nothing running over the weekend. Oh, okay. Yeah. Any? Uh, how'd your golf game go? Did you uh, play by yourself? Did you have yeah, a force? Yeah, I started off by myself and then uh, caught up with some people and joined up with them. So that was fine. Yeah. Just a yeah. bit of a practice. I like, just like, you know, it's nice days and getting out. Bit of exercise, bit of practice. Uh, playing tomorrow with a friend, so that'll be more of a, a a real game, I guess. But yeah, it's just good to get out and practice and walk the course. Let me ask you a question: When you join up with strangers and they say, "So, what do you do, Tony? What do you say these days?" No, first of all, I say I'm retired. That's that's kind of the general catch-all. But if we um, if we get into it, I'll tell them about share investing, about horse breeding, about the podcast. Hmm. Well, the, your, your first response should be, I'm a podcaster. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that, <laughs> my, you know, ABC, always be closing, Tony. you got to be marketing. Oh, he's on, Tony. 
Uh, is this is this the Glengarry Glen Ross podcast now? Is it? Yes, right. it is. <laughs> you know what it takes to sell podcasting? <laughs> Brass balls. <laughs> I come from downtown. Mitch and Murray sent me downtown. <laughs> coffee is for closers. Put the coffee down. Um. Yeah, you gotta you gotta be on the front foot. You gotta be selling all the time, Tony. All the time. QAV, QAV. <laughs> no? Okay. No. Speaking well, speaking of selling, um I caught up with Stephen Mab for lunch today. Nice. And uh we were just catching up and but talking about, you know, what we could do uh, with the ASA over the course of the next year and he and I have cooked up some plans in that regard about getting you and me in front of some of the ASA functions, maybe writing something for their newsletter. But um, he had a great story about how he's been trying to improve on QAV and I just thought I would, I was going to get him on the show to talk about it. Then I thought I'll just, I'm here now, I'll just record it. So uh, have a listen to this. I'm sitting here at uh, the Archive in West End in Brisbane, just having a nice, relaxed Monday afternoon lunch with Steve Mab, And he's just been telling me an interesting story about how he's been experimenting uh, with QAV and trying to improve on the model. I just thought I'd get him to tell the story. Yes, Cam. Thank you for uh, you know giving me this opportunity to share with everyone um, my uh, my mistakes. So uh, yeah, we were just having a chat about uh, the three point buy price and um, some examples where I had you know run my QAV filter and identified good companies that were scoring well that were in a bit of an uptrend but weren't at their three point buy price yet. And I thought I'd you know try and get ahead of it possibly and. Um, buy a few of them before they got to the three-point buy price and maybe make an extra, you know, 10 or 20 or 30% or whatever it might be. Um, and unfortunately, it's been, you know, it's been a mixed bag of results and there's been more more misses than hits. So it's kind of cemented for me that, uh, that I need to follow Tony's proven system, I guess, of, you know, waiting for a stock to hit the three-point buy price. So a couple of examples, I think, image resources, which... Um, came up scoring well a few months ago. I think I bought it at about 14 cents um, and it's been one of the successes where it's just kept going higher and uh, it's around 20 cents or something like that now. I think uh, its three-point buy price was around 18 or 19 cents. So it's it's worked well, but then there's been a couple of others where I bought early and, and it hasn't worked well, like Credit Corp, for example, which has come back a bit from where I bought it and still hasn't hit its three-point buy price. Uh, Mitchell Services is another one I think where I bought it a bit ahead of its three-point buy price and it's now trending back again. So we were just chatting and I said, you know, it hasn't. They haven't reached the three-point sell prices yet, so I haven't sold them yet. But it looks to me like it's, you know, it's not a great system to be buying them early because uh, they can start to trend down again before they get to that proven three-point buy price. So, uh, so that's been my observation. You know, I haven't lost a ton of money, but I think. Uh, it's kind of you know shown me that it's not a replicable system to try and pick the winners early or ahead of time before they get to that three-point buy price. And so when they started to turn back, did you immediately bail and sell and cut your losses? 
No, I didn't. I didn't. I thought, well, they haven't breached the three-point sell price yet, so I'll, uh, <laughs> you know, I'll hang on for a little bit longer and see if they turn up. And as I said, I mean, a couple of them have, but three or four haven't. So uh, if I look at it on balance between the five or six, I think it is that I've bought. You know, I've had more that have trended down again rather than have just kept trending up to hit the three-point buy prices. So I haven't sold them yet. As I said, I haven't lost uh, lost much money, but I think it's just proven to me that it's not a uh, not a way to try and get a bit of an edge. I was trying to get to 20% or 20.5%, you know, to be a little bit uh, more successful than Tony, but it's, uh, it's not working. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Good story. There you go. Steve's uh, – <laughs> He's innovating. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Uh, it's uh, yep. It's uh, it's my experience as well. If you try and go early without the three point buy line, you can get you can get caught. It can blow up. Yeah, yeah. But I said, like you always say, hey, you know, if people want to experiment Absolutely. and try and find ways of improving it, go for it. Let us know. So yeah. good on for having a crack at that. Yeah, absolutely. And a couple of other comments. I think uh, someone posted. I think it might have been Eddie on Facebook said that. He thought CCP was a buy, and I agree with him. I think last week we said it wasn't quite yet, but I think it is. And Steve just said it wasn't, but I think it is at the moment. Uh, just looking at its its graph at the moment. This is today, Monday afternoon, the 7th of September. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty – if it's not a buy, it's pretty close. I think Stephen said it wasn't when he bought it, but yeah. – um, yeah. It's pretty yeah. close. Pretty close. Um, the other thing to be careful of around this time is we've come through reporting season and and possibly also dividend season, but certainly going into dividend season. So we might see shares like Credit Corp, which have a good yield, uh, dip with their share price. And that could just be because I've gone ex-dividend. So just a just a word of warning if you see a price dip and you think it might be a good time to sell just check the ex dividend date and make sure you're not selling on a dip due to a dividend because uh, they usually um, usually the share price trends up from there you know, it's it's weird looking at CCP their share price hasn't moved since the 31st of July yeah it is a bit weird isn't it it's kind of <laughs> it's been flatlining for five weeks yeah yep <laughs> bizarre, bizarre. Um, all right, so thank you, Steve, for sharing that. Uh, listen, we don't have a lot of questions this week. We've got a couple that we can run through, and then we might uh, have a look at some of your uh, journal entries over the last week and talk through some of those. Yeah, I think we should. There's been a heck of a lot of uh, company reports have dropped into Stock Doctor in the last uh, week, especially in the last few days, actually. Yeah, I think yeah. on Friday I spent the whole day checking a bunch of your journal entries. Yeah, and I just emailed you a couple more pages as well, so there's a lot come through today as well. Egads. All right. Well, let me um, tackle a couple of questions first. Andrew O'Donnell, a mate down in Sydney, said, why don't we use the latest peak as the first highest peak when charting the byline for GRR? Grange resources. Mm. So um, you'll see that it, uh, like it hit its high um, sort of recently. Mm-hmm. Um, but you wouldn't start from that and draw your line forward. Like in our, in the Bible, we say, you know, draw starting point is the highest peak and then draw through the 
next highest peak to the right. But um, Andrew's trying to find that, follow that by the book. He's putting it at that peak, which is sort of the 31st of August. But that doesn't seem right to me. No, no, Andrew's, Andrew's um, I guess, pedantically correct. But no, perhaps the Bible's wrong. Uh, and, and don't forget, we talk about the byline following the cell line. So the cell line for GRR was breached during the, during the COVID March drop. And then at that stage, the highest point was March 2019. And the NGRR became a buy again um, in May or June. And so it's still on a buy line. It's above the sell line. So, yeah, Andrew's strictly correct. The highest peak is on the right, which is a great thing to see because the share price is going up. But uh, it's been in a buy upswing since about May. So we're using the the other highest peak, the next highest peak to the left of that. So uh, we need some new wording for this. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) Well, out with it then. Come on. Oh, I don't know. I'm not an English teacher. It's the it's the uh, <laughs> the byline follows a sell line, so it's it's the highest peak before the last um, the last sell line. Before the last sell line. Yeah. So we sold off. We would have using this graph. We would have sold off in March 2020, and then we would have gone to draw a byline at that stage, and it would have started with the highest peak, which was. March 2019, it would have gone through December 2019 and it would have crossed just before the May 20 peak, which was in a buy. And it's been in a buy uptrend since then, so it's been in a buy since then. So new wording for the Bible, you start with the highest peak before the last sell line. Correct. Right. Um, Good question. Good. Though. Thanks, Andrew. Yep. Yeah. Thank you, Andrew. Yeah. I, I I knew we'd actually looked at examples like this in the past, but um, when I went back and checked the wording in the Bible, it wasn't clear, and I thought, oh, okay, well, we should get some clarity around that because I can see why it would be confusing. Good. Oh, got another question. Just came in late this afternoon from Jamie over in WA. If you already have your 20 stocks in a portfolio and then you have an influx of cash from a windfall event, say a house sale or an inheritance, how would one best deploy the new capital and over what period? Okay, yeah, good question. So let's work through an example. Say you've got $100,000 worth of stocks and you say that you've got 20 stocks in that portfolio, $5,000 each. At least that's what they started off being. And say you get another windfall and you get another $100,000 to invest. So that, to me, that says we, we still want to have 20 stocks, but that means each of the stocks should be $10,000 as a parcel, not $5,000. So what I would do is to rack and stack my buy list at that time and just work down it. And if a stock wasn't already in the portfolio, I'd buy $10,000 worth of it. And if the stock was in the portfolio, I'd buy an extra $5,000 of it. Um, so you, you might end up with more than 20 stocks. So you might have to pair it back over time. Uh, you wouldn't end up with 40, though, I wouldn't think. You'd probably end up maybe with 25. So you, you, it's a blend of increasing what you have and 
buying larger parcels of the new ones if they're higher up on the list. So you want to, uh, in the process, you want to try and uh, evenly distribute the capital across the portfolio? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, yes, that's right. So every time I look to buy something, I, I work out what the portfolio is, work out what a 20th of it is, and uh, that's what I'm trying to buy next. But if, if I have a large influx of capital, like twice as much capital, then I go through a, you know, the, a, almost like a blending exercise. It, it always comes back to yeah. racking and stacking our buy list and uh, and then trying to buy an even parcel from there. Right. and But you, if there is a stock that's not already in the portfolio, you will buy it, not, not worry too much if you go over the 20 number. Correct, yeah. Okay. I mean, the 20 number is pretty arbitrary anyway. I, um, I haven't come across any science which says 20 is a good number. Um, I'm not worried if yeah. I have 10 in the portfolio or if I have 30, really. Um, right. I'll just try and get it back to 20 over time. Right. Mm. Okay, good one, Jamie. Thank you for that. Uh, I had a couple of things just in the news today I wanted to throw out there. Yeah, I think you liked uh, on Facebook the quote I grabbed from one of the fundies. Uh, what's his name? Richard Ivers from Prime Value. Uh, I read this this morning in the Finn uh, article. is called Avoid the Hot Stocks to Create Lasting Wealth, says Top Fundy. The quote that I liked, he said, if you look at the wealthiest people around Australia, they've done it over a long period of time by compounding. So you fill up your portfolio with stocks that can do 10 to 15 percent with relatively low risk. Hmm. I yep, thought that I sounds that. familiar. It does, yeah. Get rich slow. <laughs> do you know this Richard Ivers guy? Have no, you uh, played, played golf with him? No, don't know him. You haven't, didn't? Uh, haven't come across he's not Thought he might have been stealing your shit from on the golf course. <laughs> I think I think we're both stealing the shit off someone like Warren Buffett, probably. <laughs> yeah, probably. I, I, I actually value. I didn't read the article, but I, I looked at the headline because that caught my attention too. And and what he's saying is, uh, you know, don't don't fill your portfolio up with all the latest hot stocks. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of which, uh, <laughs> I wanted to get your analysis of the hot stocks. So. The the tech stocks all took a bit of a beating late last week, and um, both here and in the US. And I was trying to figure out. So there were there were people like take Afterpay for an example. I think it dropped from like eighty bucks down to seventy bucks thereabouts. There were people buying it at seventy eight, seventy nine, eighty dollars before that happened. Um, if they thought it was a good buy. At that price, uh, why are people selling it when it hits eighty? <laughs> You're asking the wrong person. I, I can't <laughs> um, bring any logic to bear at all with these kinds of companies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, the nervous Nelly started to get out on Friday because the uh, U.S. tech stocks took a bit of a dive. Um, that's always going to happen with these high-priced stocks. Uh, we're not talking about huge decreases so perhaps the nervous Nellies were a bit nervous and people are buying in thinking that the, the stocks are oversold but any sort of concept of overselling and valuation I think go out the window with these ones um, like I said in the past I don't a lot of people will talk about their valuation model for these companies about um, 
you know, the potential for upside and the size of the addressable market and all that kind of stuff. But I still I still haven't seen a compelling argument with an, an IV calculation that I can buy into. Um, and what happened was to, that, that caused these stocks to drop last week was that... Uh, was that um, PayPal came out and said that they were about to launch uh, their own version of, of Afterpay or Buy Now, Pay Later. And of course, the market said, okay, well, they're an established play that's, that's doing well. This is going to be a big competitor. Uh, these guys aren't going to have easy sailing. So um, if you, to be honest, I think that was always going to happen. Like if you couldn't see that coming, you didn't have that factored into your model, then you know, it wasn't a great model. But, um, but yeah, so... Uh, I don't see how you can build a model which says, we, you know, these companies are, are we're going to pay high valuations for these companies because they're growing in the US, they're growing in the UK, uh, without taking into account the fact that they're going to attract competition, and that might trade away mm. all of their upside. Like the uh, journalist who wrote this piece, uh, Karen Maley. In the, for the Finch, she's a columnist at the Finch. She writes uh, down here, although it's impossible to pinpoint what exactly triggered the selling, it is clear investors had become nervous that the share prices of the big tech companies had risen too far too quickly. Really? Oh, I'm shocked. <laughs> I, <laughs> I thought that's the whole point. Yeah. Because they were rising too fast too quickly, and that's why everyone had to that's why you had to invest in them. Yeah. Um, and there's other things going on too. I mean, Afterpay now, for example, is a large company, uh, and it's it's starting to its market cap is over twenty one billion dollars, even after the sell off. So, I think twenty one billion dollars might put it in the top twenty stocks. So, fund managers with the mandate to own the top twenty stocks have to pile in and buy it too. So that pushes the prices uh, up. Actually, it hit a high of ninety one, I think, uh, at the end of August. Yeah. No. It's gone up a thousand percent since the COVID crash. Afterpay, it's amazing, isn't it? Good luck to the people who bought. Yeah, a thousand percent. Hope they got in and got out and uh, happy. Well, that's, maybe that's uh, what happened on Friday. The people who got in in March are saying, "Okay, that's been a good run, but we'll sell at the first downturn." That was their goal. Like two thousand percent. There was that's just greedy. Yeah. They were like a thousand percent. That's my that's my benchmark for when I get out. Yeah. they're just making banks so they can buy 20 stocks using the QAV method (laughs) welcome to all of those new (laughs) newly minted millionaires Um, something I learnt from you uh, in our email conversations over the last couple of days one of the journal stocks that you sent me last week EAI um I sent you a query about it because when I looked at its byline, it seems to have broken through the byline uh, a few weeks before it came out with its results. Mm -hmm. And according to the wording in the Bible, we give it a score uh, for a new three-point upturn if it has breached the byline since its last reporting. Um, what you came back to me and said was, well, yeah, it was before the reports came out the officially, but obviously um, confession, there was past confession season. So people kind of knew what the results were going to be, and that counts for a new three-point upturn. Yeah, I think so. I think uh, there, was a, um, there was a release to the market 
in the weeks before the results, um, trumpeting how good they were going to be. So that was what started the um, upturn. So it's still recent. It's still an upturn. It's but you're right. Again, the Bible is uh, pedantically incorrect. It's um, it's it's in this case, it happened a couple of weeks before the results were released. Yeah. It's turned back down too, interestingly, in the last uh, yeah. couple of days. There's a lot yeah, turning down this... at the moment, isn't there? Friday was a bit of a sell-off in the market. Yeah, everything's been taking a bit of a beating. Mm. Even the reject shop has come <laughs> back a little bit. <laughs> well, That's... and look, also too, I need to highlight to listeners, and, um, and I put it in the stock journal today, so is gear, G-E-A-R. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm going to sell my holding in gear. It's too late now. The market's closed for this evening. But um, I wanted to let people know I was doing that before I do. And I'll check it tomorrow in case it turns up. I don't think it will. But it's breached its three-point sell line today. Uh, really? Mm-hmm. God damn, I just bought some, man. Oh, is that why it breached its three-point sell line? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, I gave it the old cam. Yeah. Gave it the old, old Cameroonie. I have to start a short fund. What do you think you're buying next, Cam? <laughs> oh, okay, so uh, let's have a look at the uh, three-point trend line for gear. <sighs> Gear's a funny one because the low point was in March. That- a lot of other stocks had a lower point to the left of that, but this one didn't. Right. So. Waiting for Stock Doctor to give me a chart. Hello, Stock Doctor. Oh, there we go. Oh, yeah. Right. Wow. Uh, so the sell line just goes straight up. Yeah, well, you could take that, um, take the trough on, in July, 31st of July, as the second peak, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, or second trough, sorry. And that's just been crossed today. Well, well, well. <sighs> okay. But that's okay. That happens this time of year. I mean, gear hasn't reported yet either, which is the other interesting thing. It's not always great to see a share price declining before a a report's released. I'll just have a look at the announcements. Yeah, they haven't released um, any figures yet. So, uh, yeah, um, I'm going to sell it tomorrow. Right. I'm just putting in my sell order now. <laughs> Damn oh, it. You can get out before me. <laughs> and, and you should put yeah. it on, if you don't mind putting it on um, our stock journal or putting it on our website. And maybe even on Facebook tonight, just to give people yeah. a heads up. Heads up. Yeah. Yeah. Get out before Tony collapses the price. <laughs> before the tsunami. Ah, uh, what's the limit? Oh, no. It's going to cost me brokerage too. <laughs> I can't sell it. I don't have enough cash in my account to pay the brokerage to sell it. <laughs> what do I do? It'll take me three days to get cash into the trading account. I'm stuck. Why does it take you three days to get cash into the account? And why can't they deduct brokerage from the sale? You would think so, wouldn't you? Yeah. 
Oh, maybe they will. I don't know. Yeah, price per unit. Last price is seventeen seventy seven. Bid seventeen sixty six. What should I sell it for? How, how do you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you want to get out quickly, you're going to have to take the bid. Right. And it's going down. So um, if you if you put in something higher than that, seventeen sixty six could become seventeen fifty six tomorrow. Cameron, in the editing room here, uh, in fact, I didn't put through the sell order until this morning, Tuesday morning, and uh, the price had gone up when the market opened. So I think I sold it for 18, not 17.60, 18. Um, <clears throat> glad I set market, then limit, and not just a limit. Uh, so the price is going back up. It's still below the sell line, though, but we'll see what happens. It may go back above the buy line again or, or back above the sell line, I guess. I mean, it's already above the buy line. It's Schrodinger. It's above the sell line and below the buy line. No, other way around. Above the buy line and below the sell line. Anywho, uh, just sort of let you know that I got out of it at a better price. And Self-Wealth did take their uh, fee out of the... Uh, proceeds of the sale so that's good yeah there's certainly right. been a lot of selling since last friday yeah yeah my portfolio has taken a bit of a hit so who knows yeah. if it's temporary or the start of something but that's you know it's it's times like this we need to pay attention in particular to movements in our portfolios right. and, and move quickly if we need to right um i'll make a note to uh, facebook and blog and uh sell it at the dummy portfolio yeah that's right which means we have to work out what to put in the dummy portfolio don't we yeah the reject shop (laughs) (laughs) i just sent you a new master list because there's a lot of updates today um next one on the master list to buy is eclipse group so that would be the one i was i'd be putting into the um dummy portfolio let me just have a look at it good i bought that last week too Uh oh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah you might want to rethink that <laughs> actually i think it went up today so i don't think i've put the kibosh on it uh too badly <laughs> it did it went up 1.36 percent good quick get see <laughs> hey and listen like the reject shop went up 50 percent after i bought it so i think that put the end of the cameron kibosh <laughs> even eddie recanted the Cameron Kibosh after that. Well, that's the end of the free episode for this week. For the brand new folks, I want you to know that each week we have a free episode and a premium episode. Free episode runs about half an hour. Premium episode usually runs for an extra half hour to an hour, depending on how many questions we have from our audience that week, because we spend a lot of that time answering questions. Uh, if you want to check out the premium episodes, you can go up to our website, QAVpodcast com.au and sign up for the two-week free trial you get to have a look at the premium episodes you get to have a look at the checklist the getting started guide all of the video content that we have uh, you get invited to our vip dinners and our vip zoom calls for club members you get to ask tony questions that we can answer you get to get invited to our uh, facebook group our private facebook group etc etc so and also we get a, a private uh, club member newsletter each week we send out as well with some stuff in it so 
Check that out, qavpodcast.com.au. But as I said, if you're brand new and you want to, you're trying to figure out what's going on, go back and listen to season three, episodes one, three, and five, 301, 303, and 305. And then you might also want to go back and listen to season one as well, all of the free episodes in season one, where we go into a lot of detail about Tony's system and methodology and figure out if this is right for you, if it's something that you want to go further with, if you want to learn how to invest like Tony does, then you can check out the uh, QAV Club. Uh, the other thing I always have to say is we're not financial advisors, so don't take anything you hear on this as financial advice. This is just here to teach how one guy invests and thinks about investing. If you need financial advice or tax advice, please go see a financial advisor or a tax advisor. Uh, With that, stay safe, good luck with your investing, and we'll be back next week.